I'm Bishop Robert. Each life is a story. We don't remember days, we remember moments that touch our hearts. I want to invite you to come on in and have a seat in my study. Let's you and I spend a few minutes together and consider a verse of scripture and how to apply it to those moments that fill up our lives. My hope is that it speaks to your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I hope you'll be back often. Welcome. What's the most important appointment you've had recently? Whoever you are, you've probably got some sort of a calendar to keep track of your various appointments. Now, some are routine, others not. Quite a few of my friends have recently had doctor's appointments. One arising out of a car accident, another from injuries sustained in a fall, and even a couple dealing with internal issues that will require surgery. Appointments with lawyers are on a couple of calendars. Even meetings with owners of businesses to discuss deals and possible partnerships. All these appointments are significant and important. None of them are routine, meaning they don't show up at regular intervals on the agenda weekly. Routine appointments are not necessarily unimportant, of course. My first call on Mondays is usually an executive roundtable with the chairman of the family office for whom I work. I meet on Tuesday mornings with a small group of brothers in Christ with whom I share a committed covenant of prayer, encouragement, and accountability. Coincidentally, my wife and mother-in-law go for coffee every Tuesday morning. None of these appointments are routine, even though they occur every week. But I'm thinking of a recurring appointment of a totally different sort as I introduce today's verse. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I have a daily recurring appointment with the King. It's the single most important appointment of my day. I've got an alarm set on my phone to remind me. I mean, I certainly don't want to oversleep and miss it. One doesn't do that with royalty and heads of state. But there are many mornings when I find myself waking up well before the alarm is set to sound, because I'm just so excited about it. I can hardly wait to meet with him. Now, there's some good rules of thumb to keep in mind when you've been invited to meet with a sovereign monarch, even if the meeting will take place every day. Perhaps especially so. Protocol's important. There'll be an agenda, of course. I mean, these sorts of meetings always have them. The one I typically follow is in the Book of Common Prayer. It's called the Daily Office. Its protocol begins with an examination of self and a confession and repentance of sin. And so it should. You know, if you had an appointment this morning with Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, I guarantee you, you'd be checking yourself pretty carefully just before you entered the meeting. Why, the men would be double-checking their suit and their tie and their zipper Yes, they would. And women would be taking a last glance at their makeup. Of course, you think that all is in place properly, but you double-check nonetheless. That's where the confession of sin and forgiveness comes in. Then something called the invitatory. Sort of like the attendant opening the door and announcing that the monarch will see you now. 
It's the invitation to come directly into their presence. In the daily office, that's followed by readings from the book of Psalms, which is actually the hymn book of God's people, Israel. Then some other readings from the scriptures. And this is akin to um, a review of the official documents you'd have if you were having regular daily meetings with the head of state. Afterwards comes a time of direct communication. When you're with the king, there'll always be time to listen. For in an audience of this magnitude, the king will always have something to say. And there'll be a time for you to speak as well, perhaps to raise issues that you want drawn to his majesty's attention or requests to be made. This is the direct communication that I'm speaking about, and it's called prayer. It's a two-way communication, not a monologue. Of course, there's another whole aspect to this monarchical appointment that is yet to be considered. The daily meeting is not merely an official one, because for you and I, the king is also our daddy. So there's lots more to talk about and much more to hear. And it's not official stuff. It's family stuff. Sometimes it's even just sitting together, spending time in his presence. That's some of my favorite time of all. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The it will be done for you part comes next. But when you've been with the king, that can take some twists and turns. Of course, there are some things that only the king himself can do. But very often, his majesty wants to have you involved as well. When you're with the king, he'll often give you instruction, directions as to how or when he wants you to do something. Authority, his permission to use his name and act on his behalf. Provision, the things you'll need to accomplish the task that he's assigned to you. And responsibility, the expectation that his instructions will be accomplished. Nehemiah had a relationship with two kings. The first one had his heart and calling in his hand, and that was the Lord God, the King of the Universe. The second directed his employment, and that was the king of Babylon, whom he served as a personal attendant. One day the king of Babylon could see that something was bothering Nehemiah, so he asked him about it. And when Nehemiah replied that his heart was burdened because Jerusalem laid in ruins, the king asked him, What is your request? Now the king of Babylon knew that he could trust Nehemiah because he had watched him serve for years. The king of the universe knew the same things and for the same reason. The king of Babylon sent Nehemiah to accomplish the things they had discussed, specifically the rebuilding of the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. That was the instruction part. But Nehemiah was also sent with letters from the king to various governors and guardians of the king's resources. Nehemiah had the authority to command the governors to act in specific ways and to get what he needed from the king's wallet. 
and to make certain that Nehemiah was properly received and his instructions were obeyed, the king even sent army officers and cavalry with him. I'm quite certain that got the attention of the governors. <laughs> that was when it became clear to them that not only was Nehemiah with the king, but the king was with Nehemiah. Being with someone only begins by being together. That association continues, and it carries the authority of the one you're with. That's the authority part. <laughs> but the king has sent Nehemiah to get a job done, and the king provided the resources. He authorized timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel and the temple and for the city wall and for the house Nehemiah would occupy. See, the king of Babylon wanted to provide for the task and the servant. He cared for the servant most, by the way. And the same is true of the king of the universe. That's the provision part. Finally, Nehemiah had the responsibility to deal with the daily issues, manage the resources, personally work on some parts, and supervise others. In other words, Nehemiah had to get the job done. And that's the responsibility part. And all of this was only possible because he was with the king. You see, being with the king always carries a special status, both in the meeting and afterwards. Hey, here's the best news of all. The king wants to meet with you. Now, you may be enjoying these readings or talks on a daily basis, and, and if that's the case, I'm pleased. But please don't let my time with the king replace your time with the king. That'd be a horrible mistake. Really? Hey, I've got some good news. His majesty will see you now.